Welcome to DaVinci's Discourse, where the minds of today's most innovative entrepreneurs are unveiled and explored. And my name is Kyle Campbell, your guide on this journey into the depths of the entrepreneurial psyche. So sit back, relax, and get ready to dive into the minds of the greats. This is DaVinci's Discourse. So, yeah, so um, Dimitri Naris, uh, I run Three Taps. Uh, it's a design and development agency. Uh, we focus on providing uh, front-end solutions for AI applications and uh, been doing it for a few years now. I've uh, been in the software business for <clears throat> longer than I want to admit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's been uh, it's been quite the, quite the journey. But uh, with three taps, it's it's mostly focused right now. We've had some pretty pretty cool success with uh, clients that are trying to leverage AI into their um, existing workflows, trying to find new ways to generate revenue. Uh, there's even new business coming out of it, right? I mean, the big buzz is generative AI with ChatGPT, but obviously you and I both know AI has been in the market for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Only recently so available to the public, to the general public in a way that it is now. But yes, it's been, I mean, since like the 90s, right? Uh, since before that, I think, um, what was it, 86 when it was invented? When the the first concept was came to light? I mean, arguably, yeah, we can go with that. Okay. <laughs> I just pulled the number out of my ass, so I, I, we'll just go with 86. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, all right. Uh, there's always been some some measurement of AI uh, throughout the um, history of computers, uh, but now the fact that AI can can conceptualize and and kind of teach itself is the next next leap. And the fact that, let's just say ChatGPT, as an example, has taken that concept and really made it easy for the layman to understand what AI can do in their lives. Right. That's what made the pivotal point. And the reason for that is because of the way that someone interacts with AI. Uh, so you could have a super powerful artificial intelligence uh, database, uh, knowledge graph, how all these different ways that you can you can present AI or, or construct insights in the back end with data. But if you don't have a usable uh, interface uh, or applications to use it and make use of what you have, uh, might as well not have it. Right, <laughs> so, no kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah so, that's, so you make that's it available kind of... as a product. You take the the engine that is somebody's somebody's AI and you you give it a face. Right, exactly. Productizing that AI in a way that, uh, it and and that's important, right? So understanding how how to leverage AI in there's two there's multiple scenarios, but for the sake of the conversation, I think there's two major points here, right? It's like we have an existing product or service, and we want to add AI into it. You know, the board of directors has told me has given me a budget and has told me I need to figure out a way to put AI into our business. Or my job's in the line, right? And then there's too many people I talk to that are in that in that in that ballpark. Uh, so it's a matter of it, it, there, there's one scenario, right? We need to add AI, and I'm I was over dramatic there, but you get what I'm saying, right? There's we need to be on the cutting edge in our industry. We need to figure out how can we leverage AI with our existing revenue streams, our existing applications, our existing processes. And then there's the uh, idea of new revenue, right? New opportunity. So there's also organizations, it could be the same organization doing two things, but the other scenario is 
we see an opportunity to create a new product, a new service, uh, a new revenue stream, whether it be an add-on or a new a new model. So AI is opening the door for both of those. <clears throat> and the challenge with that is understanding, okay, how do we how do we productize that? How do we put it into a service successfully? Uh, and what we like to say at three taps is, can it be adopted quickly? And then can you also keep it engaging for people? So it's one thing for someone to try it as a novelty. And it's another thing for it to actually be part of that, of your end user's journey uh, or uh, engagement, that session they have with whatever tool you have or app uh, or service. So it being quickly adopted, it being engaged, a long-term engagement is what really makes an AI application a success. Now you might be thinking, okay, so that's that's user experience and UI design, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly so. So that's kind of a little bit of uh, the scenario where what I, what we're seeing in the market from an AI perspective and how we help, we kind of come in and we help these organizations better understand how can they leverage artificial intelligence properly so they do get that quick adoption, long-term engagement to define success. Because uh, right. revenue sometimes may not essentially be the first first thing on someone's mind or the first thing they should focus on when it's about experimenting with AI. So I, know so, I, went, I went off a little bit. So. <laughs> I know, it's beautiful, dude. I love it. Um, yeah, so what's important when it comes to um, creating that face for the AI so that it's, it's used not just once as a novelty, but ongoing, uh, what, what is important that you found in terms of capturing engagement and keeping that engagement? Yeah, so the main thing is being able to provide immediate value, but be trustworthy. Because mm. a lot of times, and you've, you've probably heard about this with ChatGPT, it makes up facts. Hallucinating. Yes, hallucinations. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, it, that's a, a fringe case. But my my point being, when, when developing these types of user experiences uh, for for any type of AI application or AI-infused product or service, it's important that the value is perceived immediately or very near mm. that, oh, this is going to change the way I use your, my, your product. Right. So this is the way I'm going to, this like being with, you know, open AI's integration, this changes the way I'm actually going to search for things now. Yeah. Uh, and and so there needs to be that immediate grasp on that value right. in, in user experience. And then it being trustworthy. So being more transparent saying, yeah, this is AI. It's not going to be perfect, uh, but it is going to get you to, uh, to, to where you want to be. It's going to give you that value, but you have to understand that we're don't take it as, as face fact, not yet, at least. So being transparent with how powerful the tool is establishing that trust with your end user by, and also immediately or near Basically, providing value right away uh, is, is I think, the three keys to success, uh, aside from some secret sauces we may have in the cabinet. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to- oh, how I we, want how the secret we... sauce, man. <laughs> secret sauce uh, always first... tastes the best because it's, it's a secret. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not yeah. on the first uh, podcast. Uh, <laughs> so- yeah, so we really like that. We try to focus on those three areas okay. where it's trustworthy, there's immediate value, uh, and 
it, it's 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 in a package that is easily digestible that someone can understand the application and how that's going to change their life. Right. When I yeah, see that. that goes back yeah. to marketing in general, how you're packaging up your solutions, your offers um, for the entrepreneur that's that's watching or listening to this. It's it's how to package your your offer in a way that's attractive and it's not going to be um, passed up something that captures that emotion uh, and then and then holds it what you're talking about so it's not just a drive-by it's it's somebody who is is going to stay with you long term changing the way that they search for things with bing for example and that translates to to any business or service and that comes down to the packaging of it now are there some things that you've noticed that immediately spark trust when it comes to this packaging well there's a couple things that come to mind. There's reliability right. when you when you look at when you look at AI, it could be kind of unpredictable, uh, or it takes a few tries to get what you want. So that's fine when it's something exploratory like ChatGPT, where it's like, yeah, I'm going to go mess around, you know, and and see see what I can type up and see what I can do. But when you're adding AI into something more business critical, right? Uh, and mm. an example that comes to mind is uh, using AI to find, to help accelerate the time to cure genetic disease. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be reliable. Right? <laughs> yeah, you'd think so, eh? You don't want it to be 99% sure. The 1% is going to kill you. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's, there's just, there's a lot of um, reliability factors when, when you try to take yeah, it to yeah. scale, you want to use it in other scenarios and just messing around or, or search where the output of this AI tool or service needs to be relied on. Uh, that that's key to building trust. So how how strong is your AI? And then like we talked about, there's definitely the the focus on transparency, telling people, hey, this is AI. So like sometimes you'll see like a little magic wand or there's something in the UI right. that indicates, okay, this is AI. So I can reset my expectations. Uh, when you don't do that and you inject AI into something and it looks like it automatically did something, mm -hmm. uh, might be cool, but again, there's no transparency there saying, oh, this is something that AI built uh, and you need to treat it as such, whether it's you're citing sources, whether you're um, mm. trying to have something reliable. Uh, like for example, you can go, you can log into Squarespace and Squarespace AI can write you a website. <laughs> They're hooked into chat gpt4's api yes of course yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but most things are <laughs> most things are that, i mean open opening is making bank right now okay. uh so so basically what, what i'm trying to get at is if that wasn't there and it just spat you something out and you didn't know it was ai it, you would have a different mm -hmm. a, a, a different approach to how you're going to use it uh versus it's oh this is ai i'm in this phase of let's say ai it's really important to to train people like this is ai this is not ai showing people the ability uh and the difference the delta between something made by ai and something that that isn't made by ai so having that visual differentiation not only builds trust but it educates the public uh, and it's gonna be an evolution. Mm -hmm. i don't think this is gonna be the case in 10 years right everything's gonna be AI. you're not gonna need to have a magic wand <laughs> that says right. oh this is AI. it's just gonna be assumed 
yeah, use our AI assistant. No, but in this phase of, yes. of UX uh, for AI, mm-hmm. that is the case. And we have to make sure that we we educate people on what is and what isn't AI. So reliability, definitely, um, especially when you're, when you're a business that your reputation stands on it. Uh, it's something that you're trying to, it, there's a little more gravitas to that than just, right. you know, a search uh, or, um, you know, write me what episode um, nine, uh, Star Wars episode nine should really be, should have been. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> a little different, I, I've had people, a little different than it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like for the Star Wars nerds that don't, that don't uh, appreciate that, that, that movie, uh, chat GPT can make, you know, make you an alternate ending. Fine, whatever. But again, <laughs> you know, that doesn't need to be reliable. So the reliability is a big, a big factor. Okay. Interesting. So you say set expectations between the two. And you also said something very interesting, which is in 10 years from now, it's going to be in, you're going to, it's going to be impossible to differentiate between what is AI and what isn't. And I'm trying to bring that 10 years into the now with my marketing, because we're integrating AI with, with almost all of our marketing right now. Um, for example, what we do with some folks is we interview you, we transcribe that interview and turn it into a book that gets clients for you. Um, we're using AI to write those books in totality. And the writing that we're getting out of it is unbelievable. And it's still the GPT-4 engine that we're using with it, but it's the the way that we're, I don't know how the, how they did it, but the writing that's coming out of it is, it's not like, oh, just write this in the style of, of um, Tom Sawyer or something like that. It's, it's, in depth in terms of the the quality that we're getting out of it is absurd. So what I'm trying to do is get that 10 years where it's indifferentiable to now. Uh, what do you think about some some ways to do that so that we don't even have to give them a, a, an option saying, hey, look at this is AI, this isn't. Um, how can we bring that future to the now? Well, there's, I think there's, a, there's an ethic, ethical discussion to have there. Yeah, yeah that's after, true. About this call. Uh, but there, you know, why well, no, would, we why can would, get into it, man. I'd like to get into sure, it on this sure. call. Yeah. Now, as far as what I was pointing to is that a lot of times with UI, uh, there is a level of education that needs to happen before yes. someone becomes accustomed to use, utilizing it. But your your point of bringing this into the now and and there is there's things that are indifferentiate. You can't you can't differentiate, and that's fine uh, as long as it's accurate, as long as it's reliable. Yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah. It goes back to uh, so the reliability. Yeah. The output, sure. Um, now, is there, it depends on the application and the ethics on that. Uh, but the output, sure. But when you using the tool, right, or someone using a tool needs to understand what they're create, like what they're using is AI assisted or done by AI. Because uh, then that does reflect the output of what you're doing. What about uh, the user? And- like, so let's say the reader of the book. Do you think there's ethical concerns in terms of not telling the reader that it was AI generated? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, as much as I want to say no, I think I think there is a level of of visibility depending on what the context of the book is, right? So, if it's you know uh, how to how to survive in the woods. Oh well, yes. <laughs> you want to know that it was written by AI. That's written a good point. AI. 
That's a good point. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I think or how to invest your life savings. You'd want to know, right. hey, wait a minute. This was this was yeah, written by AI. So yeah. you know, yeah. and that's why <laughs> I, I use the term business critical, right? And okay. maybe that's not the right the the exact term that everyone's gonna land on, but it is. It's something that's that's more mission critical to to the to the business or has a direct impact on someone's health, well-being, right. safety. Mm -hmm. Uh that's that's where I think that transparency most definitely need to be first and foremost. But, you know, uh, a bio about somebody, sure. Yeah, it's not hurting anybody. Uh, no, nobody's going to die because of the marketing copy on, on a website, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. marketing copy, emails, video scripts. Yeah, all that. I think that that's totally within the realms of it being ethical because it's, the AI is assisting you, but, you you, you know, AI isn't going, like, you said you record, you transcribe, right? You're giving it unique source material. The input, yes, exactly. Yeah, you're not going to have an AI out there that's going to do a really good job without unique source material. Right. And that's one of the one of the big things a lot of these organizations organizations are very wary about is they have proprietary data, they have proprietary information. So feeding that into something that also pulls from other sources, you're training it or you're giving it proprietary, possibly sensitive information, uh, which then can be hacked, used in other applications. And that there was actually an issue with that with ChatGPT, where I think it was a 3.5, where there are, um, whatever people were inputting was actually being added to, mm. to its brain. Uh, and that was actually causing security concerns. Yeah. So um, they fixed that, sure. But that's still a large, that, 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 that's still a big issue or big concern oh. with uh, causing companies to be a little more wary of how do they dip their toes into AI? Because it's one thing to leverage an AI engine uh, or call an API, uh, but then it's different to contribute to to something bigger yes. uh and that contribution is great for a from a from a creative collective personal use but from a business use case you know they everything needs to kind of be in-house right so if you're a bank and you're trying to mm -hmm. leverage ai to um underwrite your mortgages <laughs> right so right. like instead of having you know underwriting could be a whole a whole realm where there are jeopardy where you can have an ai look at all these different unique data points unique source material yes uh and determine okay this person can get approved for this loan uh or this person can get car insurance this person isn't eligible for car insurance under us like that you won't have to go i mean in most cases it probably doesn't already uh i'm not i'm not a banking and insurance expert but uh, that's that, that's an example Okay, interesting. So it comes down to how do you know what AI is appropriate to use for your company? How do you know what, what tools to use or, or more accurately, what to automate using AI and what not to automate? Um, do you have an answer for that in terms of generally speaking, how do we know what AI to use in our companies? <laughs> it's a very, a very broad question. Broad indeed. Uh, I can just I can just provide some you know my two cents. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying I, I know all the answers here, but what I've seen is you're trying to find the lowest hanging fruit is probably your best best step forward. Understanding okay. where can we improve efficiency that's always a great one. Instead of switching to how to make money right away, 
Uh, mm. If you're trying to tip your toes, uh, one of the biggest things is improving efficiency and improving customer satisfaction. I'm pretty sure Gartner uh, had a uh, tile on that on LinkedIn at some point in the last few weeks. <laughs> but uh, I, Gartner's great for, for, for this that type of stuff. So uh, really improving customer satisfaction and, and efficiency. So let's focus on efficiency because that's that's typically more, more of the times a quicker win because it's internal, you control it all. So if you're trying to, let's say, improve the efficiency of your customer service support, um, that might be, uh, you know, I've seen that being one of the first ways that that organizations can kind of come in and and dip their toe in the water and see how AI can work for them. Now, there's tons of applications, don't get me wrong, but improving efficiency is typically the first area I see organizations go towards and say, how can we use AI to improve efficiency? Not how can I use AI to make more money? Uh, now, improving efficiency always always you know, makes improve, more money. Yeah, exactly. Makes more money. Yes, yes, but it's not it's not direct, right? <clears throat> so it's not a direct one to one correlation. Uh, so I would say that that area uh, improving efficiency is somewhere there. Um, a lot of organizations are are trying to get to first. It seems like lower hanging fruit because there's so many ways you can improve efficiency. Yeah, exactly. Uh, could be uh, reporting. A lot of times reporting can be pulled manually. Like, believe it or not, it's 2023 and people still, uh, you know, the world still is powered by Excel. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, for now, for now, you're working yeah. to, to disable that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So it's, um, there's just a lot, a lot of things, even small things. Like if you can shave five minutes off of one employee's day. Yeah. And you have, you know, 5,000 employees, uh -huh. mm -hmm. you're saving hours and hours of time uh, that can be used more productively elsewhere. So, yeah, I think that's what initially comes to mind. Okay. So what are some patterns in terms of, of time saving or efficiency um, aspects or tasks that you've seen in your clients that you've uh, noticed that this is working well for a lot of businesses and why do you think it's working so well sure so let's let's go to the let's let's go back to finding insights uh when leveraging data tons and tons of data it's really hard to 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 find insights in there find trends and sometimes even find correlations between different things so uh, improving the efficiency of data reporting and being able to automatically see an insight so you don't have to go hunting for it. You don't need to have a data analyst that has the is in the mind frame of, okay, I need to look for A, B, and C. Uh, a lot of times insights are derived from people thinking about what data points should look like and how should I correlate them? Hmm. Not necessarily, you don't need to do that anymore with AI. I will, you know, you you won't. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. So, but you, you get what I'm saying. So, there's a lot of yeah. times where instead of you know employing a team of data analysts that you know if they there's human error, there's uh there might be an insight in the data that they didn't think of looking at. Right. Uh, AI can come in there and and find those insights. Look at that. You can let and leverage that. So, um, you can look at let's say. Uh, you have some data that, uh, so let's say some some research data, and then you also have, um, let's say, uh, 
I'm trying to anonymize a case study right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, so you have, you Bob have. had this business. It wasn't at all in the electricity <laughs> business. <laughs> yeah. So actually, you know, let's let's simplify it. So basically, yeah. let's say you have uh, a, a ton of data. Your Bob's Bob's business, whatever Bob does, and he has a bunch of data on his customers and their behaviors. Mm. Uh, but then those behaviors aren't, you know, that's one set of data that lives in one silo. And then you have another set of data on what those people do. So you have their business, uh, what they buy, sell, like what they buy, patterns and whatnot. But then you also have a set of data of like what their occupations are, what company size do they have, where do they sit in that organization. Right. Uh, Demographics so versus psychographics. Yeah. And then just hard revenue, right? Like how much money are they bring into Bob's business. Right. So those are like different data systems. Oh, and then what about their their uh, their traffic when they log into Bob's website to do their business? There's there's website data now, mm. so it's great. You have all this data. You have all these different silos of data. You need something to kind of tie it all together to get some insights. Right, that was my uh, next question. Exactly. So and you know, a data lake data warehouse is what you'll use to do that. And once you have all that data. Uh, democratized mm. that you you can leverage you can leverage ai to uh look at that and say okay i need you to find me some insights some patterns some ways that we can improve our marketing based on that what's worked in the past that we didn't realize right. was working based on the correlations exactly. the, the way they're tying together in a way a human wouldn't have been able to nail or pinpoint that exactly. way that, that they're tying together very interesting so when it comes down to it it is right now we're in data acquisition phase or at least we should be because if the tools aren't here yet to make that that, that tying together uh, i mean they are but to make them easily accessible to the average entrepreneur what we should be doing right now is to be gathering as much data as possible so that way when it comes down to it when the tool is readily available to make these connections um, we can have that input we put the the data into the ai and we are able to find these patterns in a way we wouldn't have been able to otherwise Hey, I hope you're enjoying the podcast and I want to let you know that I've got a free book that you can get if you want to tap into more of these resources and you can get that for free at kylesbook.com. Back to the podcast. Right, right, exactly. Uh, Hyper-personalization. Yes, so, oh, I love uh, that. Yes. Let's, talk, so, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. So you have this data, right? You're able to find those insights yes. and then you, you know basically everybody you do business with. <laughs> on, right. on a, on a, on a that, mass scale they don't even know for themselves <laughs> uh wow. yeah and, i mean look at look at so, google predicting what you're going to buy or facebook ads yeah. you know predicting that's already, yeah that's already happening yeah. uh you, you know i read a a study that face facebook has i'm going to say i think between 18 and 32 different uh characteristics that it's it rates everybody on so just by that it knows who you are that's how predictable humans are it only takes about 18 data points to predict who you are <laughs> To predict who you are. <laughs> well, you I don't are. know about that. I think well, no, I <laughs> at a buying up, yeah. level, maybe because you're analyzing belief. Oh, even, so so it's funny. You ever had that that where you're talking about something with your friend and yes. then you see it on Facebook the yes, next day? Yes, yes. That's because it knows you that well. It doesn't it's not listening to you. It doesn't have to. It's just it's it the predictive analytics. Well. Yes. I mean yeah. 
Yeah. So, Good and that's stuff, based man. on that's based on about eighteen to thirty-two different data points. That's it. That's mm. all. That's how predictable predictable the human the human psyche is. When wow. Well, <laughs> oh, man, I wouldn't go that far as saying it's it's the human psyche as a whole. It is a, a very specific segment of the human psyche that's responsible for that decision um, to purchase yeah. X product, and that goes into well, the purchase and behavior entities, and they can analyze those those data points within those thirty-four. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You're exactly right. So the reason, the reason I bring that up is because we were, we're, we're talking about hyper-personalization. Yeah. So have, you have these, all this data and you, now, you know, these people, uh, and you can provide hyper-personalized individual services or offers to every single person. Yeah. So it goes beyond just like you're pre-approved for you know ten thousand dollars in in-store credit. It's beyond that. Now no, it's, you're able it's going to down to up. oh, you're going to be interested in a red couch on Friday. Now you're able to to offer the red couch on Friday, and that's not even based off of um, their their actual their past purchasing behaviors. It's based on their psychographics, their their well, a psychoanalytic profile that the AI was able to generate and predict what what buying behaviors would be um, yeah. produced. Now it comes down to how does the average entrepreneur take advantage of this this um, predictive analytics, the, these predictions like this, and and in an average business in right now i just want to take that i want to take that thought one click lower a double click into that because this is where it's mind-blowing you 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 have that the psychographic you're you're able to understand oh this person most likely will want to buy that red couch on friday yeah but on top of that you have inventory data surpluses shortages of what's in stock and then what you, the AI can do is provide a confidence rating of saying, okay, we don't have that many red couches. They'll like the red couch, but we know based on who they are in our, our inventory, we have a surplus of purple couches. Right. So we're going right. to offer them a purple couch at a reduced price mm. because we're in surplus. And the purple couch is very close to the red couch. So not only are you providing a hyper-personalized experience for the user, but you're increasing your efficiency on the back end in your inventory. So I, I just wanted, I just win, wanted to win there. Up. Yeah. You're getting from both ends there. That's, that's, that's what's happening now with AI. That's, what's that's now. Right. Never mind what's going to, so, okay, we'll get into how do we think that's going to happen in the future, but right now, how does the average entrepreneur take advantage of this with his business? Depends on what your business is. <laughs> yeah, I know, of course, of course. Really? But generally speaking, let's say an entrepreneur is running an online agency or a consulting business um, digitally what would be some ways that we could take advantage of AI in terms of these predictions? So there's, there's a, there, in terms of predictions, what do you mean by that? In terms of predicting buying behavior, in terms of uh, gotcha. using, gotcha. using data that we can have access to through our sites, social media interactions, et cetera, et cetera, um, to predict what certain clients will be um, uh, interested in and how to use that with ultra personalization in our businesses right now. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a that's an excellent question. Right off the bat, I don't know all the answers to that, but what I can tell you is that's why data is king. Mm. Data right now is king. It has been, but now it's like super yes. king. It's like emperor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I want to invest <laughs> because, in Google and Facebook, the companies who have the the data right, right now. They have it. But so like as an entrepreneur, like you can leverage AI tools. Like I saw one one a couple of weeks ago. It was like use AI to build your presentation for you. I'm like. Great. Uh, little tools like that. They're all leveraging AI for some some cool 
thing, some little tool. Uh, but as an as an entrepreneur, as a small business trying to leverage AI, it's your proprietary data that's gonna that's gonna give you the insights you need. Now, obviously, as an entrepreneur, you may not have a lot of customers, <laughs> uh, and and that's where you know it's hard. It, it, sometimes you have to buy data. You have to, uh, and when I say buy data, I'm not saying go to a data broker and buy it, but you can subscribe to like Gartner or Forrester or IDC, these analyst firms that uh, collect data and give you a lot of insights. Mm -hmm. um, those are going to be really good resources. So let's say instead of spending $30,000 on Facebook ads for a year, mm -hmm. uh, you spend that money with uh, for a Gartner membership and right. you have access to all their all their insights and all their data so as an entrepreneur you you may not have all this data you don't have thousands and tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people using your product or that you've interacted with and you have this data and you put it into a data warehouse and you have data scientists that's it, it, a lot of overhead right uh so as as a small business the most important thing that that we can do is we may not have that primary data but there are experts out there that have data that you could leverage and make business decisions off of yeah. and that's often overlooked by a lot of you know startups uh, which means you can get a massive massive advantage because it's being overlooked how how would something like that work let's say instead of investing in facebook ads to get new clients how would it work in terms of investing in a Gartner membership so that way I can um, use that data? What, what would that process look like? Uh, well, you just, you sign up. No, <laughs> you sign okay, up. but what do you do with the data once you get it? Like actually tactically speaking, what, what, what you would You can make better like? business decisions. So let's say oh, you, so. You're, you're trying to start a business, let's say, uh, in mar marketing, a marketing business, and you're trying to target a certain demographic. Okay, well, I don't have a lot of information on that demographic, but an analyst, an analyst uh, would have thousands of articles on it, aggregated mm -hmm. reports on it. Right. So it's a matter of like, you need to learn, you're in learning mode. A lot of people don't realize that as an entrepreneur, you're a student yeah, <laughs> above always, everything else, always, you're learning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's really about learning as much as you can about the business you're trying to get into, the demographic you're trying to target. And uh, the more you learn, the more you're going to pivot. True. Yeah, uh, no kidding. That, that goes honestly, hand in hand with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so don't be afraid to pivot. Learn as much as you can. And when you want to look at a trusted source, uh, in my opinion, like my Gartner membership makes makes a lot of sense because I'm, I'm able to look and see, okay, well, I'm trying to target. I'll give you an example, right? Yeah, so. please. Uh, as as we're growing three taps business uh, and AI came came into fruition, we're trying to see okay, well, what what uh, job titles do we need to be looking at? Right. And a lot of people always go C level, C level, C level. No. Um, <clears throat> Gardner helped us figure out. Well, it needs to be uh, VP level mm. uh, because the VPs are the ones that are given that directive and a budget. Interesting. And they're the people that are the decision makers, the key decision maker mm. on what they're going to do with AI, how they're going to do it, and how they're going to spend that money. Very uh, interesting. Now, wow. they still have to get that approved by the C CTO. Sure. Uh, but when you, when you, there's just a lot of insights like that, uh, mm. that you can find by just diving into uh, a lot, a lot of this research that's being done. And what company sizes did you? Were you talking about when you said to target VPs instead of C level, like ten to fifty employees, fifty to one hundred? Uh, you know, um, it was uh, fifty plus. 
fifty plus. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so, what are some other insights that you got from your from the from the data there? Because that's a that's a fascinating insight right there that we can use tactically yeah. speaking with our marketing. What are some others that we can use like that? So um, that one was free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How did I guess you're gonna do that, man? You're gonna keep that secret sauce locked up in the cupboard. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it's yeah, it, you know, honestly, it it a lot of it is personalized to what you're trying to look at, right? So course, you tell me, um, where where are you trying to see yourself grow? Well, right now, us as a company, we're targeting agencies so that way we can take our services and offer it as a service to their clients. So to white label what we were doing, which is creating books and promoting those books using LinkedIn. So right now, my focus is to get people who are running an agency to offer our services, white label our services to their clients. Um, usually under 10 employees, we're talking about a social management agency, maybe five employees, um, who's got, let's say a hundred clients who would be able to offer our services to that's what we're targeting and focusing on right now. Gotcha. So then what would you, you most likely want to potentially look at from a data perspective is better understanding what are the needs of those agencies what what is the intent what are they actually spending money on now Mm. Uh, so it could be and again all hypothetical but you you can look into that and see well what what's the purchasing behavior what are those priorities of that those size companies in that vertical that's going to help you better understand not only how to tweak what you're selling but also how you're going to sell it so and also th- that opens up a strategic angle too because if we know where they're spending money we can partner with the people who are who are already selling to the agencies you see what i mean so we could form a joint venture there and have access to 100 agencies who have access to thousands of clients so you go up a right. level i mean that's a, that's a strategic decision right. there interesting well, i'll give you another freebie um, okay <laughs> <laughs> uh so like for, for us you know when you're looking at organizations that are trying to find um trying to see how to use artificial intelligence it's um <clears throat> one of the one of the big barriers is it's hard to measure value so out of out of the respondents i believe it was 20% said that the reason why they're slow to adopt ai is because they don't know how to measure its value what's their how do you measure roi on on ai yeah, as of now, it's difficult. Right. So, what do we do? What? How? How, how do I? How do, am I reacting? Well, I'm building a. Uh, mm. I'm writing an, uh, an ebook. Oh, really? <laughs> on, on measuring, measuring, measuring your ROI of AI. Interesting. So, okay. Okay. So yeah. you're solving the question that's already going on in their heads. How are you exactly. writing that ebook? Um, what's your process been? How's has the process, uh, the progress been? Uh, it's been great working with uh, with an agency on it. They're they're amazing. Uh, Goddamn, because so, I was thinking, oh, we got a client on our hands here. <laughs> so you're already working but, with an agency. What what's happening there with the agency? Uh, so it's 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 bigger. It's a bigger project than just the ebook, but um, it's about the messaging that we have for three steps and how we're positioning ourselves in the market mm. is really around. You know, we're here to help you solve that engagement problem or that engagement. Uh, challenge that that people are having with how do i make ai successful in my business we come in and help you solve that and these data points are showing help us fine-tune and hone well what marketing material am i going to create to get out there so Mm. if a bunch of people are already thinking about this makes sense i'm you're 
creating content to bring in business and the and it's content that's very relevant why right. because it was able to find that i was able to look at that research based right? on data wow. I'll, I'll give you i'll give you another one here um <clears throat> so the business metrics for roi so let's say now you've defined this makes sense right so how do you think what's the number one metric that according according to uh, to an analyst firm and their research, what's the number one metric people are using to measure a positive ROI on AI? Income. <laughs> um, no. Everyone says about... income. Everybody. Everybody says income. Totally, totally. But it's not. It's customer success. Customer. The how do you, and then it comes down to how do you measure customer success? Satisfaction and engagement mm, at a subjective level. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're, you're making an objective. Something. You're taking objective measure, measurement and in relying on the uh, the subjective uh, data that you can get from like surveys or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So if you're looking at okay, I want to invest in AI. We're going to target it. Uh, our KPI is going to be we want to increase customer satisfaction by twenty percent in six months. Okay. Great. Are you going to do that? You're going to have to design something. You're going to have to build something. You're going to have mm. to create that user experience. Right. right? And by the way, that's exactly what we do. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So that's how we're also now able to build content around that. Yes. Because yes. it's what we do, right? And yeah. what we're doing is aligning with what people are, are looking at, right? They're looking at, okay, I need to make sure my AI is successful if my customers like it, if they're happy, they want to mm. use it, want mm. coming back and back and keep using it. What does that go back to when we first talked about? Adoption and engagement. Mm. Exactly. We went full circle there. It's like I, it's like I kind of know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's almost like a little bit. Eh? It's almost like you got a little experience or something. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Fascinating, man. Interesting. Very, very interesting. You measure it with. with so, I mean, that's in the realm in the realm of what we do. Opinion. Right. So. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, man. Any, any, I mean, it's like, I'm so curious in terms of what you've learned from these reports and what data that you've gotten your hands on and how you're using that in your marketing. Um, can you answer that question in terms of uh, how you're using the data that you got in your actual marketing yeah. in the book and the, the content you're generating? Yeah. So like, if you go to our website, three taps.com and you go to our blog, yeah. Every blog post is a data poll. Mm, interesting. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a good, uh, <laughs> that's a good way so to get people it, to your really, site too. <laughs> yeah. So it really, it, it's really about understanding your, your audience, right? So if, if your audience, in my case, my audience is trying to figure out how are they going to apply AI? Everyone yeah. else's scenario is different. It's like knowing your audience, knowing what they care about, what their mm. needs are, mm. is going to help you develop a better marketing strategy. And it's going to help you long-term as well in the way that you shape your products and services to match what they're looking for. And where does that start? It starts by doing some research, mm. uh, spend the money on the research, learn uh, before you put up LinkedIn ads and waste your money there. Like yeah. I, I, last time I checked to get 250 clicks on a social post, it's like $800. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. I know. It's not worth it. And so, so you're saying it. that you can skip that testing process by utilizing the data and the content generation to begin with, rather than making the content, putting it out there, testing, taking it back with the with the feedback that you got, reiterating, reiterating. Whereas the data is already out there to to leverage with the content you're putting well, out. You're creating content that people care about. They want to read. Yes, and that's based on that's... data. And you already know that ahead of time before you're creating the content. It's a, right. it's an interesting approach that I think a lot of people are overlooking, especially in marketing, when it comes down to testing, testing, testing. Well, what if you were to test with what you already know is going to work based on the data and the, the previous purchasing decisions of, of the target market you're targeting? Um, it's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are overlooking that right now. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's... That's my two cents. Like I said, I don't know all the answers, but that's what I've I've found successful. That's what I find resonates with people, uh, and it also establishes establishes yourself as a thought leader in your own space. Right. So as an entrepreneur, as as a startup boss, uh, it, it, it's about how do you position what you're doing, what's different, what are you doing that's different, mm. and why people should care. And a lot of times, it's based on what people need in market how they're spending their money how they're thinking about things how are they prepping for the future like uh let's see, i'll give you another i'll give you another data point <laughs> <laughs> come on baby give it to me <laughs> uh, three, three free ones in one session interesting uh, <laughs> so it's almost like um, i've done this before <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so like let's let's look at digital transformation challenges right you have organizations that are trying to digitally transform that could be that could mean ten thousand things mm. um but what i can tell you overall is uh according to harvard uh the in the next 12 months 40 percent of them are going to be focusing on improving customer satisfaction Thirty-three so percent are going to increase. Uh, yeah, thirty-three percent are uh, investing in uh, improving productivity and efficiency. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at organizations that you know, as an agency, you know, my agency, your agency, any other person's agency out there, it's important to know these data points. It's important to not. Only, I'm giving the high-level ones, but it's important to do your research and understand where people and organizations are spending their money, how they want to spend it, and who's in charge of it. Then to get in touch with those people, telling them what you already know that they're interested in based on the data. Fascinating. People like to hear. Yeah, people like to hear what they already know they need. Yes, yes, yes. Fancy way. <laughs> yeah, and, and or in the exact terminology that they're already thinking about it in. Yes, you said something interesting, and then we'll wrap this up. You said that we um, that folks right now are wondering how to use AI in their company. What we've had success with personally as a company is is cold emails that are reaching out and saying, "Hey, how do you know what AI to use in your company? Take this free quiz to find out." Tons of clicks going to that, but when it comes down to the actual quiz engagement, there is um, a lackluster result there. But when it comes down to the the you know completing the quiz, so do you have any tips for me in terms of getting people to? And here comes the, the next data point. <laughs> in terms in terms of getting people to once they've clicked on that, uh, how do you know what AI to use? Take this quiz to complete the quiz? Is there a question that I can have as the first question in the quiz to capture their attention? Is there a way that I can um, leverage data that you've had access to, to make that more engaging? Are you gating the content before they start the quiz? Giving the content? Are you gating it? Are you gating the quiz before they can fill it out? No. 
Okay. So they fill it out. Then you ask for your email. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yeah. Through and cold email. Seeing, Although. Are you able to see how far along in the quiz they go in your yeah. analytics? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And where's the drop off? Second question. But second we've question. tested the second question. We've flipped it more around. We've changed the order. There's, there's a, a. And they usually stop no matter what on the second question. Yeah. No matter what question we ask. It's simple, man. Make it two questions. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Questions. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm. you're trying to you're trying to make something <laughs> interactive, right? And like, you know, you want to flex on on your, your quiz making skills. They just yes. they want to give them two questions, man. And then either way, the, the, <laughs> the, the result is they're gonna have to talk to you anyway. <laughs> True. Yes, no so, kidding. Okay. Right? Now, so, why did you ask if we had the gate in front of the quiz or not? Would you recommend putting the gate there? That's another big barrier. Lowering yeah, the barrier of entry is always better, right? right. So if you're trying to have people attend a webinar, fill out a quiz, yeah. the less BS they have to go through to get what they want, the better. <clears throat> so No flexing quiz skills, that means. Yes. <laughs> Just go well, to the second the, question. <laughs> that's well, funny, well, man. Yeah, do two questions. I'm telling you, two questions and, and give it a shot. You can email me uh, later with the results but you can always do multiple quizzes and a b test your quizzes yeah well. we are of course of course but we so you can still have your let's say your five questions or six questions but the six questions turns to three quizzes and you abc mm. test those quizzes mm. so yeah. yeah i love it man you've got a marketing mindset with an ai with an ai background very interesting it's a good combination to have right now you've got the strategy yeah. down fascinating man any we'll questions so yeah, dude, I will for sure. No kidding. I will, I'll let you know. Absolutely. Um, any questions I should have asked you in terms of utilizing AI in a company uh, for an entrepreneur watching that I didn't ask? Don't get carried away. Mm, That's what do you mean? Just don't, don't get carried away. Uh, know what you're focusing on. Know, know your lane, know your audience mm. and go after it. Don't get distracted. Like uh, just don't you, there's a lot of cool little things around little tools that, you know, are, Oh, this is cool. Let me try to figure out how to inject that into my business model. Don't think that way. Know your business model, know your audience, know what you're selling and then see what fits. Don't try to make one-off little AI things fit into what you're trying to do. Uh, cause then that just, that you don't come across as an expert. You don't come across as a thought leader. You come across as a guy with a backpack full of little tools. Mm, uh, mm, you know, I got all these little tools for you. You want to, you want to buy a tool? Uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> I picture the guy with the raincoat that he opens it up yeah. and he's got all the tools. Hey, you want my watch? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, so just, how do you, you prevent know, it coming across as the watch seller? Uh, knowing like I said, knowing your business, knowing what you're trying to do, your business model, how you want to make money, knowing your audience and letting things come to you, <clears throat> let it come to you. Don't try to find a tool out there or AI to, and it's like, oh, this is a cool little buzz thing. And let me try to figure out how do I wrap that into what I'm trying to do? Uh, how can I add this to my marketing mix? How can I make this part of the product I'm selling? Because it's cool. That's, you know, it's cool to experiment. You can have your R&D, whatever, but but knowing your audience, knowing what you're trying to sell, knowing knowing that stuff and staying true to that is going to help you not only look like a thought leader, but also be a, a thought leader because you're 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 certain what you're trying to do. And once you have that and you ground yourself in that, then you'll be able to find and and the the AI tools and the AI services and how you're going to use AI. Are, it's going to come to you. Mm. You don't need to. 
you're, you're going fishing for the wrong thing is another, another way to look at it. Interesting. So you're saying to, to have the vision first and then base the AI tools you use around the vision rather than basing the vision around the AI tools. Yeah. Hmm. It's a beautiful way of looking at it, man. Well, I appreciate your time, man. I mean, like hell, we went through some fascinating insights today. You gave us three data points. You gave us some, uh, some insights in terms of how to use AI in our company. So dude, thank you so much for that. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. And if you want to get a free copy of my book, go to kylesbook.com and you can get a copy there. I'll talk with you soon.